Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 115 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Hi Mitch! Hello, how are you? I'm okay mate, how are you? Not bad, for date stamp purposes, coming at you circa 10am on a Sunday morning. Yes indeed, yeah, good morning. What's been going on? <sighs> to be honest, it's been a bit of a weird week. There was a bereavement in the family, uh, and I know that uh, we had said we were going to put some Patreon content out this week, but I can assure you there'll be a double dunt next week. Yeah, I'm very sorry to hear that for a start, obviously, yes, we've been talking about yes. it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, as regards as regards Patreon stuff, we haven't forgotten about that, and apologies for letting it slip for the week. But yeah, you'll be seeing a fair bit more land in your feeds if you're in the £5 and up stuff, uh, hopefully from midweek this week. Yes, yes, apologies guys, bear with us, it is coming this week. But aside from all that, what have you been watching? I've watched a fair amount, most of it isn't new stuff, but well, it kind of is, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute. But in terms okay. of things I watched on streaming or whatever, I went on to Shudder and went back to 2018 for The Night Eats the World. Zombies? <laughs> Zombies, yeah, yeah, yeah. French? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Okay, uh, I haven't seen it, but I do remember people talking about it at the time. Tell us more. <laughs> I hoped you were going to just give me the whole synopsis of the film in single words. <laughs> Zombies, French, loneliness... <laughs> themes <laughs> uh, no it's about a guy who wakes up after a party to find that Paris has been ravaged by a zombie outbreak okay hell of a party to get you in the nick with all this happens without you noticing <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah I, I quite like this um, really really slow burn really slow okay to the point that some of it felt a bit like making up runtime. Right, okay. But I, I enjoyed it actually a lot of the stuff I've watched this week has been uh, kind of slow burning but it's got a pretty strong lead performance from Anders Danielson Lee. I, I, I kind of enjoy this. Also, Dennis Levant's in there, who I don't know if you've seen Holy Motors. Oh, no, I haven't, but I always feel like I should, mm. just like everything else. Yeah, yeah, he's in that, and he's in this as well. He plays this accompanying zombie to an extent. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I quite like this. I do I, I do feel like there's a, there's a lot of similarities between this and I Am Legend. That's the film that it put me most in mind of, and there's a little bit, certainly, in the, the early going when he wakes up and he's getting, wrapping his head around the fact that Paris is fucked. There's a bit of 28 days later in there as well okay but yeah i thought this was kind of cool like it's uh, as he kind of starts to freak out and lose his mind a little bit and the, the loneliness is getting to him i liked it cool nice so that's the night eats the world that's in shudder isn't it it is yeah i stayed on shudder i'm not going to go into this too much but i watched la Llorona. yeah i was predisposed against this i think probably unfairly because uh of the triggering nature of those words as a mainstream <laughs> horror cinema goer for the last year yeah okay well um yeah this can be more different really to the curse of la Llorona. this uh I, I, like i say i'm not going to touch more on that i'm sure you'll be hearing plenty of it if you're a patreon subscriber this week mm-hmm. but i i just want to say Right now, for anyone who's not a Patreon subscriber, I love this. Uh, and if you like Tigers Are Not Afraid, I would check this out. And that's cool. all I'm going I mean, to say at this point. I mean, Tigers Are Not Afraid, also eventually acquired by Shudder. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'm um, pretty cool that they're having this kind of line in these because I don't. I, I have done. I'm joking a little bit. I'm oversimplifying how much I know and don't know about this because I did have a little read about it when people started talking about it in quite such kind of effusive ways this week after it came out. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like they're very good at acquiring these things. There are these kind of like quite smart world cinema titles that can take these fantastical elements and put them against a kind of harsh or kind of real world historical or political backdrop and all that kind of thing. And it's an interesting thread to like tease out, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, like I say, we'll discuss it in greater detail once you've watched it this week. Yes, absolutely. I'll be getting to that either today or tomorrow for sure. Um, is that about your lot or anything else? Well, I have watched a bunch of other things, but they're all recent Blu-ray releases, so I'm just going to fly through a couple of them because I think they're I think they're worth mentioning because they're all excellent in different ways. So, kicking off, our good pals at Arrow Video have released the Gamera Collection. Okay. Yep, twelve films of giant fire-breathing turtle madness. Okay, too much to the delight of both you and Stevie, I'm assuming. Well, I, I think I think so. I, I would imagine Stevie's got his hands on this. I saw that Kevin Matthews has certainly got his hands on it. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. Anyone who's a kaiju fan, obviously most people think Godzilla, but Gamera more than has its place. And it's uh, an amazing, amazing collection here. This is all 12 Gamera films. There's a 130-page comic booklet here and a book and all manner of stuff. It's fucking wild the amount of stuff they've squeezed into that similarly studio canal have put out flash gordon now uh you sent me a couple of pictures of this this looks amazing it's uh, again a stupidly good package so studio canal have put flash gordon out in 4k and just jammed it with stuff again like they've put the the queen soundtrack on a disc in there they've put the documentary life after flash in that as well right more booklets, more mini books. The Flash Gordon comic strip, like the nice. original appearance of Flash Gordon from 1934. Awesome. Okay. And, a, and a, a Flash Gordon logo patch as well, which is currently making its way to my denim jacket. <laughs> Outstanding. I have had a quiet ish week, uh, some old, some new. Uh, and I say old, you know, old by my standards. So obviously, uh, we're a week or two away from Fright Fest, the digital edition. We are, yes, of course. Uh, that is almost upon us. That kicks off a week on Thursday. Uh, so looking forward to getting in amongst all that. Uh, obviously, I won't be in London for that. What I am doing is heading to Sheffield. All right, okay. Uh, for a socially distanced gathering of um, a couple of pals to uh, to watch it. Just kind of the people that I normally go to the festival with. So I'm really looking forward to that. Right. But I've been kind of, obviously, it's a very unusual situation. And I've been trying to get myself psyched up for it by visiting a couple of my favorites from the last few years. I went back to 2014 uh, this week. And revisited Ivan Kavanagh's The Canal. Oh yeah, that's a good film. Yeah, I think that this is great actually. I know loads of people who didn't take to this at all. Uh-huh. Yeah, me too. Um, but uh, and I get why in a way. Like after a fashion, I can kind of understand why it's not for everybody because like it's 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 extremely slow burning. Uh, it's about a film archivist who is uh, given an old reel with uh, murder footage from the na- from the like nineteen hundreds on it, and it's about him investigating that and his kind of unraveling. And that's not for everybody, but I think this is really, really good. What I would say is, I mentioned this, I think, a week or two ago. Yeah. When we were talking about Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead, and the fact that I missed a festival screening of that to see The Canal. Mm-hmm. The Canal is a better film, in my opinion, than Dead Snow 2, but I still maintain that I made the wrong decision in the moment there. Because there's nothing that you can gain from watching The Canal at a festival that you can't in your house. That's right. Watching Dead Snow 2 with an audience, I think, in that environment is absolutely the perfect way to watch Dead Snow 2. 
Yes, I would say it's about the only way to watch Dead Snooty, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the canal, uh, it's great. It's generally available VOD and stuff like that. It took a while to see the light a day after its festival run uh, in the UK, but I'm glad it's here. And uh, if you want to go check that out, it's pretty much everywhere. Um, really cool, like slow burning ghost story. Genuinely really scary. Also, really nasty ending yeah. that <laughs> fits the tone of it so well and fits the narrative so well. It doesn't feel mean-spirited. It doesn't feel like crowbarred in. It's just like a very suitably nasty kind of stinger ending to what has been a fairly miserable experience so if that sounds like your idea of fun it's incredibly it's incredibly grim actually it is it's very very heavy um but yeah big fan of that also um want to mention something that i uh, just watched today actually so this is a short that's doing the rounds at the moment right and uh, it came out on the 9th of august and i came across this originally because uh it's a collaboration between a director called michael davis and um a few people who are heavily involved with the no sleep podcast oh right okay <laughs> so it's based on a creepypasta story called smile dog which is written by michael lutz right and uh this is called infection and this is the second week in a row where I kind of have to walk back the fact that I've been a little bit reticent to get excited about the notion of getting loads of films that were shot in lockdown. Right, okay. Because last week I was like, oh, I don't like the sound of that. And then obviously Host was there and Host is amazing. And uh, now Infection is done in the same way. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot of voice acting going on in here. I don't know if there's actually any one human face in it. Okay. But basically, uh, without saying too much about it, uh, you have this woman who is... it's starts out kind of unfriended or searching style through a phone screen uh where she's texting somebody that she hasn't heard from in a few days eventually uh he gets back to her sends her this very cryptic message and the night kind of spirals into what imdb describes as violent madness and i suppose that that's true <laughs> uh this is obviously shot and made with very limited resources and i think that it's effectively scary i started to think you know that thing where you just when you've been watching like an iMessage screen for like three four minutes you're like Ugh. yeah sure um but like, it kind of does all that it needs to with that to set it up and then kind of pulls away from it when it needs to. But I think that the standard of voice acting in this carries it. Right. Because it is quite scary, but it wouldn't be half as scary as it was if it wasn't for people like uh, Peter Lewis um, and Jessica McAvoy, who are two of sure. the mainstays on No Sleep. They're both amazing. They're both putting in great performances here. It's a really interesting thing. And it's just like, it's it's on YouTube. If you just search uh, Smile Dog Infection Short Film, uh, that's where I got it anyway. But um, yeah, so that is on YouTube now. It came out on the 9th of August, directed by Michael Davis. It's called Infection. I thought it was really cool. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. So. Mitch wants his things from the 90s. He sure does. Now, I did notice this past week on Facebook, um, a friend of mine and a festival goer friend of mine, uh, Andy Dean, commented on Facebook that he had dug up on Amazon Prime um, a killer kid movie from 1992. Right. And uh, I was like, okay. Um, I looked at it and I was like, this looks quite interesting. I'm going to scope this out. Uh, so I did. Don't even know if he listens, but thanks to Andy for inadvertently tipping me off on this one. You're going to scope it out? I'm going to scope it out. Wow. Okay, do carry some on. Scoping. Of uh, Dennis Dimster's Mikey. Right, okay, right. I don't think I know anything about this. So I didn't either. But basically it's about this uh, this young boy who is passed from family to family and uh, just causes havoc and kills them, basically. Like problem child? Uh, <laughs> I guess so. Uh, turn, the, like, turn the darkness up just like a notch or two. Right, just a little. Okay, sure. But yeah, pretty much the same ballpark. But like this this film does not fuck about. He is like this kid who's about maybe, oh, I don't know, like eight or something has killed an entire family uh, in the first five minutes of this. <laughs> right. Like he has uh, drowned his sister, electrocuted his mum in the bath and uh, beaten his dad to death with a baseball bat. It does not fuck about. Okay, sure. 
Um, it's this weird mixture of extremely dark themes, unrelentingly bleak presentation, and some like ropey performances. <laughs> But it's pretty interesting. But what I would say is, and what I obviously, like I say, I was like a lot of the time with these kind of lesser known things, especially the early 90s stuff that I'm digging up, I'm flying in very blind uh, with little to no real knowledge of the kind of context for these films, uh, what the people went on to do, all that kind of thing. This was banned in the UK for a really long time. Really? Yeah. In fact, um, I was doing some digging about this and it seems that there's like people out there who still believe that this is prohibited in the UK. It has surfaced on Amazon Prime though. Obviously, uh, there were a couple of high-profile cases of child murder in the UK in the early 90s Yeah, mm-hmm. that rode very high in the public consciousness for a couple of years between like 1992 and 1994, right. which was obviously around the time that this came out. So uh, this, got pulled, this got pulled from release here. Wow, okay. And, and just stayed in purgatory for like more than 20 years. Wow, Jesus. Uh, so it's interesting that completely fortuitously or just kind of checking out a recommendation from someone that I ended up finding this thing, which, I mean, like, it's not a great film, but it is interesting. Yeah. And so- I think that, like, it's there's an incredible darkness at the core of it. And, I mean, it does get a little bit silly, but it's an extremely heavy experience, I think. So it was interesting, and it was kind of challenging in a different way to the likes of Shram and things like that. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm, I think I think I'm doing okay at running the gauntlet here in terms of variety. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're kind of covering all manner of things. Uh, yeah, um, but this is definitely one of the more unusual, but also kind of one of the more unexpectedly nuanced context stories as well. That film's called Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y, and it is available on Amazon Prime in the UK. Uh, what it's like anywhere else for availability, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, apparently this was on the banned list for a long time. But if you want to check it out, it's kind of in circulation again now. Excellent, thank you, Mitch. What have they been saying? Feedback time then, and they have once again been saying plenty. So big thank you to everybody that's been getting in touch this week. It's been a very interesting week of feedback, which we'll come to. But a lot of chat coming in this week for this week's film. It was an Andy versus Mitch episode, and it was my turn to choose. And I went for Wreck 3 Genesis. You did indeed. Well done, that man. That was a a fine, fine experience, actually. Your, Your best to date, in my opinion. Thank you very much. It was very nice to revisit it also uh, for me. I hadn't seen it in a few years, and you know how that tends to go. <laughs> so I um, was pleased that uh, it was as good as I remembered. But yeah, uh, a few people getting in touch with uh, some thoughts on this one, including Scuba Monkey on Twitter. It's a very underrated film. It doesn't hit the tension of one and two, nor the action of four, but it's great fun. The tongue-in-cheek, slightly thick, but still lovable great uncle that you wheel out for family get-togethers and he falls asleep in the corner of the Wreck family. So I think that what he's saying is that it's the Uncle Pepe of the Wreck family. Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got Hanny Ray. I like this film. It has an army of darkness charm to it and is very entertaining. Well, I kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of see what she's getting at there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, Mitch Harrod getting in touch as well. Little pal Scout the Horizon on Twitter. How a film this polished, nuanced, faithful to the series, hilarious and balanced in satire and intensity can be hated by any is obscene to me. It's astoundingly kick-ass and I could sing its praises for literal hours. Man after my own heart. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? He's kind of right. Yeah, it's great. Cosmic Ray Girl, Alexis, didn't necessarily agree with you. Certainly not prior to revisit. I haven't heard whether it was a positive revisit, but certainly she she wasn't sure that you were going to be able to defend this with any kind of clarity or success. Okay. But she did cycle it back in a tweet that we received saying that she feels it was your most successful defence of a film yet. 
Okay, that's that's not her saying that we spoke around. No, but no. I but I will take that. Um, I'm happy with that. Um, definitely. We had Chris Skelp getting in touch on Facebook as well. Actually, Kevin Matthews too, just saying he would watch a sitcom spin-off from the series called That's So Pepe. <laughs> which I would too. Chris Skelp uh, getting in touch. So he said, watched this a few years ago and had it filed away in the not good folder of my brain. This was pre-letterbox logging. After listening to the episode, I think I'm going to have to give it another watch. I'm wondering if I'm guilty of judging it on what it isn't rather than seeing it for what it actually is. So Chris, I, as I said in the episode, and also thanks for uh, breaking your uh, cycle to jump ahead and check out this one. Appreciate that. Also, yeah, I think that a lot of the disdain for this film over the years has come from people doing exactly that. So yeah. if you do mm-hmm. check it out with a, kind of a few years of a breathing room and let a little bit of time come between you and your expectations for it, I'd be interested to know what you make of it and revisit. Yeah, I'd be keen to see maybe how it's mellowed for you. Mm-hmm. Like a fine wine? Yeah, yeah. By the way, coming down on a very similar kind of comment here, we have Lee at Lee Hutchinson on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that you went to a recathon in Aberdeen. Correct, yes, yeah. Yeah, well, Lee went to one as well. I also went to a recathon and came away really disliking the tonal shift of three. Just was so jarring when watching it as a trilogy. I, I can I, I can actually imagine watching them back to back would be quite a jarring experience. Like I say, it went down in a very mixed way uh, when I did that. Like the yeah, the, the audience response to it in the moment was very mixed. Right. Cool. Cool. I can imagine that. Yeah. I did love Sponge John though. How could you not? How could you not? How could you not? Sponge John, what a guy. Yeah. Maybe now it's been over eight years. Maybe it's worth a rewatch. You've convinced me. See, I'm very happy with how this has gone. <laughs> cool, Lee. Again, if you do that, then obviously want to know how that works out. Sure, yeah, let us know. You got anything else on Wreck before we move on? I don't have anything else on Wreck, but I have something from film fan Stevie. He's just getting in touch with a bit of miscellany saying uh, there's a series starting on Netflix from Wednesday called High Score and he thinks it might be something that I would like. Um, I think this is a documentary about the history of video games, which I would, I would imagine I would like. Okay, cool. Thanks for getting in touch, Stevie, and thanks for thinking of me. There you go. He's always got your back and he knows what he's doing with recommendations, that man. Mm, yeah, yeah. Anything else on your side? Yeah, I have a couple. Okay, fire away. So I'll just burn through mine. Uh, Mark Davies getting in touch in the Chud Locker this week and suggesting a film from a 90s side quest. Oh, right, okay. Now, inevitably, I have neither seen it nor heard of it. (laughs) Uh, But um, obviously I can run it by you. Please do. uh, And he's recommended uh, Bad Boy Bubby. All right, okay, yeah. Should I be getting on this? Uh, I'd be keen to see what you make of Bad Boy Bubby for sure. I've got okay. it here, actually. Okay. You know, the, the, the quest is far from over. That's true. You know, there could very well be time for it. Who can say? <laughs> so thanks very much for that, Mark. Uh, always nice to have people weighing in with those kinds of things. James Patrick Duffy asked a question on the Chud Locker this week. Only one answer so far, but I am curious to know what you would make of this as well. Right. So he said, in the 115 movies, including the watch-alongs, which actor do we think has appeared the most? in terms of uh, films that we've covered on the show. Oh. And he said, the thought popped into my head watching Wishmaster and both Tony Todd and Robert England appear. Kevin Matthews straight in crunching the numbers. Going to guess Brad Dourif, who was in at least Cedar of Chucky, Urban Legend and Death Machine. Right. Uh, also mentioned The Exorcist 3. Um, said that that might be wrong. Kevin, what you're thinking of is that that cropped up during my venture through the Shockwaves 100. Yeah, we didn't actually do an episode on The Exorcist 3, but you're right, Brad Dourif is in The Exorcist 3. Not to say that we won't do one in future. Uh, also pointed out Keanu Reeves is in uh, The Devil's Advocate, Knock Knock and Joining the Monarch. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Tom Atkins has got to be high up there as well, surely. Tom Atkins, yeah, now been in a couple, for sure. Uh, also, Tony Todd in Final Destination 3 and Sushi Girl. So, yeah, there's um there's a few people in there that I think are, are possibles. So, yeah, if anybody actually wants to uh, do the crunch the numbers on that, we'd be fascinated to know. I'm uh, going to do it. Can- I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm off on cool. holiday this week. Cool. I've got nothing but time in my hands. <laughs> um, I had a weird thing um, a few years ago when I realized that, like, a weirdly consistent mainstay in my DVD collection was Steve Zahn. Yeah, you've told, you've said that on the show before. You said that when you were talking about Roadkill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Honestly, I've always wanted to cover uh, Roadkill. There you go. Show. Maybe keep it for a Mitch versus Andy episode. Well, it's it's very well liked is the problem. Ah, that is, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I have to be a little bit discerning in that way. I think I'd be hypocritical if I wasn't. But, yeah, um, uh, yeah, Steve Zahn's been in about 10 films that I own. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, I think that's just about it for the, uh, the feedback this week. God, I fucking love Steve Zahn. Anyway, that is just about uh, our lot for this week for feedback, I believe. So, yeah. What's <laughs> It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. Now, while we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It'll be a poster of a horror film from years gone by. Mm-hmm. People have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and left only the image. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and to give it both a title and a synopsis based on that image alone. Mm. So, last week we had Night Killer. <laughs> we did, yeah, yeah. Claudio Fragasso's Night Killer. Yes, reappropriated by me as Bride or Die to have and to solder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, a few people getting in touch with uh, some submissions on this one. Uh, Cosmic Ray Girl, Alexis, the young demon Dick Van Lick is going about his normal <laughs> daily demon day when suddenly he is possessed by the venomous vampire Flaps McGee. She's out to complete her special order and steal Dick's most prized possession. It's 1994's Teenage Cream. Teenage Cream? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's come with an accompanying apology, which I think is merited. Um, Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter, seeking answers after the horrific demise of his sister, Di, Ed, dead enough, dives into the <laughs> underground world of medical beauty treatments and black magic. But what he finds will change him forever. It's 1981's Overexfoliation 2 Snake Oil Treatment. We're in franchise territory here, Hannah. Yeah, 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 I like it. C.P. Buckley on Instagram, when Karen Phillips moves to a new home on the outskirts of a seemingly dead town, she gets more than she bargained for when she discovers that the town is under the yoke of a bizarre religious cult. One night after she's attacked by the deformed townsfolk, Karen tries to leave but finds the only way out is blocked. Now she must survive the night while evading the members of the cult, hell-bent on sacrificing her to their ancient gods. 1992's folk horror revival, We Are All Damned. Ooh. Uh, Boz, Siamese Pizza Face Massacre, getting the toppings wrong isn't the Cal's only way to die. <laughs> Kevin Matthews, Freddy Stair is the richest pimp in Brooklyn, thanks to the way his best girl, Ginger, Rogers. But that's all about to count for nothing when a body-melting virus starts to infect the local clients who start to then chow down on Freddy's girls. The only way to stave them off is with an attempt at the seductive Dance of the Seven Veils, which can handily be done in time to the last catch-up song. Before Requiem for a Dream gave us that infamously bleak ending, the characters in this horror were going cheek to cheek. It's the strangely Bowie-inspired body horror shocker from 1986, John, I'm Only Dancing. (laughs) And finally, Stephen Wales. When Arya having a laugh and her family move onto the parents' farm following their sudden death, they accidentally free what appears to be a friendly genie from its imprisonment in a family heirloom. Grateful for its release, it promises to grant three wishes to each family member, but it's not long before its true terrifying form and the cost of this demon's wishes is revealed. This is starting to sound a little bit familiar. With the help of her mother's diaries, they discover the only way to stop it is to say the demon's true name out loud. 
Will Arya be able to guess it in time before the demon drags her and her family to hell? Find out in 1999's schlock Italian sequel to its Wishmaster ripoff, Wish Granter 2. <laughs> Frumpled Milfskins Return. <laughs> wow, okay, cool. Uh, uh, is that Stephen's first pitch? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it's a very good one, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it a lot. In fact, he's going to get the best pitch of the week, and Alexis is going to get the best character name for Dick Van Lick. Great stuff. Okay, uh, big well done then to Stephen and Alexis. Yeah, right. So, yes, this would be the part where we would normally turn it over to me. Right. Uh, however, is that, is that not the part? <laughs> uh, well, there's been some rumblings in the Chud Locker this week. Right. <laughs> We've been using the fact that you don't have the Chud Locker visibility to conspire, not against you, but um, to spring a little <laughs> something on you. Um, so um, this is all stemmed from a conversation about the graveyard story. Right, sure, sure. And I'll tell you the particulars because that's becoming a whole other thing. That's growing arms and legs in a way that I was not prepared for. I'll get into the particulars of that shortly. But what happened was that we ended up having uh, someone, I forget who, unfortunately, submitting a poster from a related film. Right. It's not a sequel or anything, but it's related in one way into the Chud Locker. And uh, I said, uh, can someone Photoshop out the title and tagline here so we can flip the script on Andy <laughs> um, in this week's mini-sode? Fuck so, I want to give a quick shout out to our best pitch winner this week, actually, Stephen Wales, who did the necessary photoshopping for this. <laughs> you fucking bastards. I it's been very much been a team effort. So I was wondering how you would feel about, for the first time in the history of Mitch's Pitches, doing a pitch of your own. I tell you, Mitch, my heart's fucking racing. <laughs> like, I'm so nervous. I'm fucking nervous. Uh, right, but yeah, Mitch. I'll do it. Of course I'll do it. Right, okay, and th- whatever image you had ready for me, you're okay to just put a pin in that, revisit it next week? Yep, okay. Uh, yeah, it was probably okay. Breeders, was it? <laughs> it was this, this, the second sequel, Three Doors. <laughs> oh, very good. I like that a lot. Um, okay, I am sending an image to your phone now. Oh, man. Like, honestly, my hand's shaking. Right, um, okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Right. Um, you uh, you want to have a go at this? Okay. Well, uh, far be it from me to break tradition, but this does not seem to have a border. That certainly not one that I can see. Uh, the border. If there's a border, it's black. The sky yeah. is incredibly blood red and cloudy. Yep. Um, across the kind of centre third of the image, we have a city skyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, down on the bottom here, we have what appears to be a press conference um, where we have three reporters, one of them we- uh, wearing sunglasses and sporting an enormous moustache, um, and they are speaking to two police officers, one wearing a hat, one not, one facing away, one facing directly into camera. He has brown hair and a side shed and also a moustache, a smaller, mus- smaller moustache than the, 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 the reporter has. Um, there's also a fire engine in the background there. Um, mm-hmm. Panning up, and perhaps the most crucial part of this whole image, is there's an enormous person towering over the cityscape, brandishing a large blood-tipped knife. Uh, he's a black-gloved killer type, face-covered, strange, very tall hat with a very small brim. 
Yeah, I think there's a swipe of the Inspector Gadgets about his aesthetic. Sure, sure, sure. Or uh, I don't know if you remember the video game Spy vs. Spy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit of that in there as well. Uh, that, that's pretty much it. Tall, gloved killer, towers over cityscape, while what appears to be quite a calm press conference plays out below. Very good, yeah. I like the fact that you've said tall as if uh, he is to scale. <laughs> Like that a lot. Uh, you're going to need a minute. Uh, fuck it. Uh, can, I, can I get a week? Can I come back to you next week? That's not how it works, I'm afraid. Uh, right. Sure. Okay. Do we, do we still do the Sunshine Kid? Yeah, why not? I why feel not? it should be something darker and bleaker for me. Yeah. <laughs> can we shout there, I suppose? I, I tell you what, if you, if you want to root around and find something ominous to use instead uh, while you're thinking, then by all means. I'll see what I can find on the, uh, on the royalty free music websites. Yeah, let's do it. Give me a minute. Of course, of course. I don't know how you do this week in, week out. This is, this is quite tricky. Yeah, if nothing else, I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping that it'll uh, open your eyes to the fact that it's not all fun and games. This could be the pitch last line. ever Mitch's pitch. I'll be like, I can't believe I've done this to you for so long. I'm sorry. Uh, how do I make this right? <laughs> With this act of self-flagellation that I'm currently writing. <laughs> Speaking of which, how's that coming along? Uh, right, I think I'm, I think I'm ready. <clears throat> okay. Oh. I'm going to have to do my synopsis voice for this because presumably you're going to read a synopsis out in a minute. I do have one prepared, yes. Okay, so, uh, right, okay, this is mine. When a masked black-gloved killer is struck by Dr. Wayne Zielinski's now notorious shrink growth ray, he balloons <laughs> to enormous size and embarks on a killing spree of giant proportions. Watch as hundreds fall beneath his black-booted feet. But who can stop this mile-high maniac? The task falls to grizzled, acrophobic police detective Herman Hansup to scale the killer, unmask him, and ultimately destroy him. It's Disney's adult-only addition to the Honey Eye franchise. The Humongo Giallo fiasco, Honey I Maximize the Madman. <laughs> Humongo Giallo fiasco, amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm very impressed, I'm very impressed. There That's a go. very good first effort, very good. <laughs> Herman Hansup, fantastic. Um... Okay, so it's not that. I refuse to believe that. Um, what we do have here is uh, Robert Bouvier's City in Panic. Right, okay. I've realised now that I didn't put a year in mind, so uh, I'm, what I'm going to say, just because I know that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids came out in 1989, this was 1990. You are shackled to the chronology of that a little bit. Uh, 1986. Oh, right, okay. <clears throat> Perhaps um, they decided to put this one out and then they softened the franchise for a children's audience. Perhaps, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one was just like discreetly buried. So I, w- I want to say that the reason that we came across this is because this is one of only three films that um, Adrian Paul was in. Adrian Paul being the lead in Graveyard Story. Right. Uh, detec- Detective Ron Hunt. Okay. So that was how we came across this. Um, so this is sufficiently obscure that there is only one synopsis available for it in IMDb. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and it's extremely brief, but it's provided to us by Creepshow underscore tonight, spelled N-I-T-E. Oh, right. Lovely. A detective teams up with a talk show host to take down a homophobic serial killer on the streets of Toronto. So, that's all. <laughs> Tells you all you need to know. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, also, just if you're curious, the IMD plot keywords include Six Sun, Giallo, Canadian Giallo, Blood Spray, Emasculation, Bare Breast, and Twist Ending. Wow, okay. Oh, now I know there's a twist ending. 
<laughs> it's true. Yeah, there's there's eighty slasher as a twist ending. I was surprised too. But I don't want to watch it now if I know there's a twist coming. Well, you don't know what the twist is. So that concludes a unique one-off Mitch's pitches. Look, I. I'm quite willing to do one of these every now and again. Yeah, I think that if we occasionally uh, flip the script on it, I think it'll be fun. Uh, If only to give your brain a rest. Yeah, I do appreciate that. I've had a mentally exhausting week. I don't know how I would have felt if I would have had to have done a pitch today. By the way, that that was quite quick. I came up with that fast. I think that you put that together very nicely, I have to say. I have to say. And of course, we want to hear your suggestions. That image is now everywhere. So get on through all the usual channels, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and so on. And uh, get those pictures in. We love hearing from you. Yeah, and and Mitch, like I say, I've got an appreciation for that now. So uh, thank you for bearing with us. Ah, no problem. Uh, streaming platforms this week then? Yes. What have we got? Uh, Amazon Prime, I don't know. Gone in 60 seconds, I guess. That's there on Thursday. <laughs> the Nicholas Cage film? Yeah. Right, sure. Yeah. Can't find much else, but yeah, that was there. Uh, Netflix has a decent amount of stuff coming on this week, actually. On Thursday, smoky thriller clacks in, got inconceivable. A couple trying to conceive invite a woman with a mysterious <laughs> past to move in with them. But it's an invitation they may come to regret. Oh, yes. Also on Thursday, we've got Biohackers Season 1. A medical student <laughs> enters a top German university on a secret mission to uncover a conspiracy linking a family tragedy to a visionary biology professor. That's a long <laughs> sentence. Fuck off. Uh, also got um, an Asian production here Godam season 1 this sounds pretty cool when night falls on the city shadows and spirits come alive in this horror anthology series centred on urban legends alright cool uh, also on Thursday we've got John was trying to contact aliens a rural electronics whiz broadcasts radio signals into space and monitors for signs of aliens but makes a more important connection here on earth right okay so the title of that is John was trying to contact aliens like John dies at the end Yes, John was trying to contact aliens is the title of that. On Friday, August 21st on Netflix, we've got Lucifer Season 5 Part 1. Right, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucifer makes a tumultuous return to the land of the living in hopes of making things right with Chloe. A devil's work is never done. And also on Friday, we've got Dark Forces. In search of his sister, a renegade criminal seeks answers at a sordid hotel where he encounters a sinister guest and romances a mysterious waitress. <laughs> Lovely. What going on there? On Now TV this week, on Monday, big one, Sky Atlantic. So this is uh, 9 p.m. on Sky Atlantic, also simulcast uh, late Sunday, early Monday, like they did with Game of Thrones and that. Uh, it's finally here, Lovecraft Country. Oh, fuck, yeah, yeah, based on Matt Ruff's book. Yes, based on Matt Ruff's novel of the same name, yeah. HBO drama Lovecraft Country follows Atticus Freeman as he joins his friends Letitia and his uncle George on a road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America in search of his missing father. This begins a struggle to survive and overcome both the racist terrors of white America and the terrifying ancient monsters ripped from the twisted mind of H.P. Lovecraft. In the style of Game of Thrones, there's a simulcast with the American broadcast every week. Amazing. Also on Monday, we've got Behind You, a girl unwittingly releases a malicious demon that haunted her mother and aunt years earlier. Not telling you how to live your life, but this is currently rocking a 7% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And on Friday the 21st, we've got Zombieland Double Tap. Ten years after the cult hit Zombieland, Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Abigail Breslin and Emma Stone are reunited for more comic mayhem that stretches from the White House all through the American heartland. If the zombies and the human survivors don't sink their teeth into them, their own backbiting snarky family unit will. Lovely. And uh, to wrap things up on Shudder, I think potentially my pick for this week, to be honest, on Thursday, August 20th, Jay Baruchel's Random Acts of Violence. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we'll have more to say on that next week as well. Yep, comic book creator Todd, his wife, assistant and best friend all embark upon a road trip from Toronto to New York Comic Con and bad things start to happen. People start getting killed as a crazed fan using Todd's Slasherman comic as inspiration for his stylized slaughtering. This sounds ace. That's your lot for the platforms this week. I'm going to say Random Acts of Violence is a pick. Yes, me too.
Mm-hmm. Uh, although Lovecraft Country, pretty promising as well. Turning our attentions then to this week's show, and we have a returning guest this week, and it's been so long. Yeah, yeah, we like to have him back roughly once a year. Yeah, I would say that's about right. He is, of course, the host and the brains of the operation over at the podcast Under the Stairs. Yeah, the busiest podcaster in the world, perhaps. I would say that's possibly true. Yes, you may also know him from episode four of this show, Rawhead Rex, and episode 50 on the whole. It's a warm welcome back to Mr. Duncan McLeish. Yep, and Duncan's taking us back to 1991 this time for Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. The People Under the Stairs. So, how are you feeling about that? For the third time, we are joined by the podcast Under the Stairs, Duncan McLeish, and we're talking Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. Do we call Duncan a regular? <laughs> like a, a show regular yet? I think it's reasonable to call him a regular. I think uh, three's enough to be a regular. Three and three years is enough, I would say. Right, okay. Uh, how do you feel about that? Get in touch with us through all the usual channels if you'd like to chat to us. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram at Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong Violent PC. Email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. And also interact with other listeners on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yep. And if you're feeling generous or even curious, you can check <laughs> out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Strong Language Violent Scenes. We will be saying a thank you at the end of this episode. But uh, yeah, it's there. Take a little look. Yeah, check it out. We will be back this Friday talking the people under the stairs with Duncan McLeish. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. Hey guys, just want to swing by very quickly and say a quick thank you to someone joining in on the Patreon action this week. Yeah, yep, yep. It never ceases to be amazing that you guys do this. And now we can add to our number, Shan Buckley. Shan. Shan, thanks so much for doing that, especially since your partner is already a patron and you could quite happily have just piggybacked on his content. Very, very cool of you to also join in. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, you could have just listened to everything um, and potentially split the payment. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you had this kind of very obvious backdoor route into that. You chose not to do it. I respect that, and it's very cool of you to do that. So big thank you, Shan Buckley, for joining us this week. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podbean.